What's good, y'all? Coach D here with the Shift Method Podcast. Hope you're all having a great day. This is going to be episode number 54 coming out on Monday, November 13th. Hope y'all are still tuning in to everything we got over here. Y'all know we got the newsletters coming out every month. If you miss November's, no worries. Remember, first Monday of every month, so we got one coming up this December. We're going to have another newsletter for y'all that gives y'all a bunch of new information about what's going on with me, with the Shift Method. Maybe some discounts, maybe some cool things that are dropping. So you definitely want to make sure that you check that out. Head to my website, theshiftmethod.org, and you guys will be able to subscribe. Y'all know the deal with content and services. Not much has really changed there. So we're just going to jump right into this week's episode. I got someone actually, this is one of the first people I met when I started training at Johnny O's back in, I want to say it was July or August of 2021. He was one of the first guys who kind of made himself known, took the time to get to know me and kind of show me around the spot. Um, and he has a really, really cool background with athletics, with being a gym owner and just being in the game for a long time. So someone who's got a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience that is definitely worth taking note of. And that's my man, CJ. CJ, please introduce yourself to the people, sir. Thank you. Yes, my name is CJ Falconer. I own a private training facility in Fort Lauderdale. Um, um, uh, actually, I have an online brand or a personal brand called Falconer Fitness which is just a pillar for knowledge. I want it to be a pillar for knowledge, you know, just give the people the information that they need to be successful uh, more than just workouts. The workouts are awesome as well, but yeah. if they don't understand the how and the why, you know, it's kind of hard to get them to buy in. So mm -hmm. basically that's what I do. And the dungeon is the home as well that's as right. Boozy's home. <laughs> that's right. That's right. For those who don't know, Boozy's the dog, man. You got a cute little dog yeah. that you got at the gym. And uh, yeah, I'll be sure to link all his stuff because, yeah, again, this is a guy who, you know, talks to talk with, you know, bringing knowledge and, and, and you know, information to people, which y'all know is very important to me. But he also, he fucking lives it, man. Like you see this guy's workouts, what he puts his clients through, what he puts his friends through, which we're going to try and get a workout here, hopefully before the end of the year. Um, He's no joke. He's the real deal. And having that experience as someone who owns a brand and owns a facility, like you said, down in Lauderdale, Florida, you know, definitely something that's really cool to take note of. So Definitely someone worth checking out. Um, like I mentioned, he's got he's got a little bit of a football background, so we got we got to talk about athletics for a minute, man. So, correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm in, if I'm getting this correct, I know it's been a minute since we talked about this. You played football at FAU on the college level, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, what was that experience like, man? Like, kind of walk us through like how you kind of got into into collegiate football. Uh, well, before I got a scholarship for FAU. My first time ever playing organized football was freshman year in high school. So I wasn't really um I wasn't one of those young kids that was really good and you know projected to like play on any type of level. Um this was a, a big body, I suppose. And <laughs> I remember I remember vividly like one day I'm walking in the cafeteria, first like freshman year at high school, and the coach asked me, he's like are you coming out to uh the JV tryouts? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember my exact response was, I'm like, coach, I don't have any cleats. He said, boy, we, we got yeah, everything. We'll figure that out for you. <laughs> we figured that out, you know. And then uh, over the course of me just going out there and, and just playing and learning. Like, I always loved football. I always played, um, you know, in the uh, neighborhoods and stuff like that. I played the game like Madden and things like that. So I I know about football. I just never like really played it. So it it was like 
it wasn't too much challenging because I guess my I already had like the athletic body and things like that. It was just, you know, it was just something new, like I never done it before. But at the same time, my freshman year after the um the end of the JV season, they moved me up to varsity. So it's like I guess I was doing something right. I caught yeah. on quick, you know. Uh, I, I played offensive line in in high school, right? When I first was about to play, I thought I was gonna play D line because we at when you're young, you know the stigma between like D line and offensive line. Like you want to play D line if you're uh-huh. gonna be any part of the big boys. Before like now, uh, offensive linemen are like worshiping, and people understand the importance now. But like when I was a kid. You didn't want to play online. You want to play. Yeah, you won't get that quarterback, man. You won't get at it. Right. <laughs> you know. And this and this is something that made me understand the significance of coaching. Because mind you, this is my first year playing football ever. I wanted to play D line, and I remember doing the first day of like it wasn't even pads. It's the first day of us being out there. I tried to get in the stance, and the coach looked at my stance one time, and he just like, "Yo, go to O line." He didn't even give me a chance, and. Now, just being a coach and thing is like, I understand that. It's the job, the coach's job to get you to be able to be in a stance. I should have asked you or uh, assumed that you know anything. Right. You know, so like that that was a valuable lesson that I didn't understand years later that it's the coach's job to get somebody prepared, you know. But with that being said, I remember I went to the office line, which office line always need help, especially on that level, mm-hmm. you know, and then. I was just, I was just like the natural, just, just putting in work and stuff like that. And over time, I got like better. I got better. I, I knew the position. Like I played the game, but just actually doing it. Well, let me take that back. I didn't know the position. I just know like you block somebody, you do good. You know, <laughs> we go win, right? So, uh, played left tackle. Uh, I got good. I went out to varsity. You know, I remember my tenth grade year. Our center. He broke his hand. He like broke his like snapped his whole. Oh man! He broke something in his arm, and it was his snapping arm too. So I remember. And then center is another position. It's like at that level, if you're not playing center, it's not like a whole bunch of people lining up to play center. Mm-hmm. So I remember my coach. He was like, "Yo, can you snap the ball?" And I did it a few times, and it was good. And then my whole tenth grade year, I was playing center uh, for like the varsity. You know, and that was uh, experience, <laughs> and. Like my 11th, 12th grade year, I just got better over the time, man, and end up getting a scholarship at FAU. Uh, so now we can actually get to the story of what you really asked me. Uh, playing at FAU was pretty cool. You know, I was playing on the Coach Snellenberger, you know, famous Coach Snelly. Mm-hmm. You know? yes, and, but my career was cut uh, short because I, I had like two surgeries, like going into it, and I just developed arthritis. So with the knowledge I have now, I guess like a premature body, playing that position when you're trying to play D1 college office alignment, you're trying to put all this weight on very quickly in a short amount of time. You're trying to lift all this weights, Yeah, you know? And then I just think my joints wasn't ready for all that. So I developed arthritis in both my knees. On top of that is like, I had like two scopes. So my body didn't really get a chance to like develop enough to have it to be like hold all that weight like strength yeah. and mass ratio like i'm saying these terms now because i understand but at the time and that's another thing how we know like how significant coaching is because you have to develop instead of you know getting them there now so that's kind of what happened with my career like uh, my knees wasn't really it wasn't happy with me 
And, uh, and then, um, like, I redshirted my first year. My second year, I was, uh, like, doing good. I had a senior in front of me. I got hurt at that time, so I had to rehab that whole year. Um, then my sophomore year, like, I was doing real good. I was about to, like, project the start and everything. I played, like, two games. I mean, we played versus Florida. Then we played versus, uh, like, Michigan. Those games was crazy. <laughs> but my knee, my knees wasn't – they wasn't, like – they wasn't feeling good. And then yeah. I went to the doctor, and he just told me, like, yo, you got the early signs of, like, arthritis, and it's not good. And he's like, you can try to play and finish out your career and, like, do that. But he's like, if you're not going to the next level – it's like, this is something you don't really want to put your body through, you know? And just me being so premature in the sport as it is, to be honest, I was just happy to just get a scholarship because I'm from where I'm from, and, you know, and my family, my family from Jamaica and things like that, they just no work. They wasn't really, they are, they just surviving. They not even thinking about, you know, how to get their kid into college and things yeah. like that, you know? So luckily I done went to FAU and, you know, went to school, uh, got like two degrees there, one in sociology. I was there so long. I was there six years. I got one <laughs> in sociology and one in criminal justice and then just built up the network. And so that's like the the whole story of my college football career at FAU. Outside of that, playing versus playing um with Coach Snelly, that was that was good. It was like hard nosed football, you know. It gave you a lot of discipline. You oh, understand yeah. structure, you know. And coach was coach was real cool, you know. He like he had a history of playing with uh, players that you know they wild boys like yeah. Miami. <laughs> you know, coach that coach already seen it all. You know, he done it all and everything. So when when the situation came up, he's not too surprised. He know how to uh, articulate himself to get the player to like buy in. Same thing I want to do, and you wanted to play for Coach Nelly. And, like, after I stopped playing, that's when we had got a new coach and everything. So, I don't know about the coaches after Coach Nellenberger just, you know, just playing for Coach. Yeah. And that's typically, you know, like my little stint at FAU. Yeah, man. That's, first off, just like you said, crazy going from really not playing the game to just jumping in in high school and then going to D1 athlete. You know, did you growing up, were you, like, a very athletic kid who played just all kinds of sports, like for fun, or is that just like you were just always kind of physically gifted and just, you know, started playing football and, you know, just had good luck with it. So uh, in my, uh, in my neighborhood, we played a lot outside. Like, you know, we played football, we played majority football. <laughs> like it was rough. We we're all running up and down, but it was at a point where I was so, I, when Little League, they had the weight pound, like the weights and the pounds and things yes. like that. It was more like a little financial thing. Like my mama didn't have the time, you know. Um, she couldn't really – my mom wasn't even thinking about that. So it's like when all my friends would go to play football and stuff like that, you know, I, I was just – I was at home. I never really played an organized sport until it was, I had the opportunity to. But outside, like to answer your question, we used to always love run up and down. I know my uh my homeboy, we used to uh like play backyard football. And he yeah. always called me like uh Jeremy Shockey because like we <laughs> like had these routes and stuff and we like cutting it. Like, you know, we had good times. Um, so I guess from there, you can say it was athleticism. We always running it up, like racing 
Like you erase your friends on the bike, you oh, know, yeah. you'll be running up, like racing them. We on feet, they on the oh, bike yeah. and like see the fastest. <laughs> so playing manhunt, we always was outside, like, like doing stuff. I just never really had that opportunity to play organized sports. So I was always. Like you bring me friends. back with manhunt though, man. That was, you want to talk about yeah. athletic development as a kid, boy, that was the game right there. You ha- had to be right. Yep. Yep. What? And you were good. You were athletic enough. It don't matter if they found you, you just juke them out and run away. Find me and find exactly. me in an hour. <laughs> what? Or even to get to a spot, you had to be athletic to get to a spot that they can never go. Exactly. Like, I remember in my yard, they always know how my yard, but they can never find me. We had this tree that was so high and I used to <laughs> climb so high in the tree. It's either two things. You would never see me. Or if you find me, you're it's so there. high that you're not getting there. So I'd be up there all day. My team going to win because it's like, yo, all right, CJ, we, we done. Come down now. Like we're doing something else. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you know you had to be athletic to get in those good spots. That's so funny. That's exactly how I played. Like, growing up, I played in two different neighborhoods. When I would play in my neighborhood, we have this, like, we play in the entire entire neighborhood, which is, like, probably, mm-hmm. like, a, a square, maybe two miles. And so there's, like, mm-hmm. a couple parks inside the neighborhood, and there were these trees that were just, like, perfect for climbing. It had, like, these very, like, thick, large branches that were, like, eight feet off the ground. So you just had to jump up, pull yourself up, and yeah. you could climb. It was probably about maybe 40 or 50 feet in the air. Like, when you get to a point where you're at the top and you can, like, feel yourself like sweating, sweating, yeah, sweating, right? <laughs> and then my friends, they'd be looking for me. And, and we had, like, you know, flip phone shit back then, Nokia. And I'm just, like, calling them, like, hey, I can see you guys. You can't see me. <laughs> and then they would be, like, yo, we're not we're not going up there. Get down. You, we got to put a rule in place for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, man. I'm, I remember me and my friends used to play a game, like, you couldn't touch the ground mm. and at, at my house like my old neighborhood house i grew up in we had like a pool and it had like this white brick fence and then the regular fence so it's like you had to jump over from here you had yeah, to yeah. jump up on the gate you would jump on the ledge like jump on chairs you either gonna make it or you're gonna like bust your ass right yeah, so yeah. Even those crazy things that we did it, it built up a form of athleticism like you had yeah. to, if you want to have fun you got to be able to move absolutely and right. especially for kids, kids i feel like that's a, the most important thing is making it fun and engaging for them so yeah like doing those games like you know as silly as they may sound like you're running you're sprinting you're cutting you're using your upper body like those are really great ways for kids just to be active like you said if, if you know you don't do any kind of organized sport like what are you doing instead to stay active so that's you know hugely important for kids man not for sure yeah, man. And then you said you were playing left. Were you playing left tackle in at FAU as well? Yeah. Oh man. So you going up against those big boys trying to get the quarterback blindside, man. You that's so that's tough as it is, like having to deal with the knee issues and then going up against sometimes the best player on defense to protect that quarterback. Bro, playing against Florida, it it, it was crazy because number one, them boys, you already know how it go. Like them boys like huge, they yeah. fast, like for SEC not playing, but bro, the 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 sound, the stadium noise, yo, you cannot hear the person next to you. Like <laughs> it's hard enough hearing the quarterback in the huddle right. and trying to hear the snap count like that. That twelfth man is like just being in that stadium and feeling that environment is crazy. It's like you can't hear anything. Like yeah. I like, imagine yo, it's got to be a crazy feeling. Thirty thousand plus people just yelling against you, man. It's just like, Florida State. Oh my God. Cause how Florida State uh stated, I don't know if it's still the same, but it's like the fans on top and the 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 field is down. So when you look up, all you see is oh just God. 
all you see is fans and it's just like, ah. and then when they when they offense going to feel quiet. Dead silence. They can hear everything, but you on the Dead field, it's silent. like I can't hear yourself think. <laughs> it's like, yo, just being in there is not the same like on TV. It's not the same. Yeah. No, it's not the same. But yeah, I played left tackle and you know, it was it was pretty cool. I had a great coach at FAU. I had a great coach, Dale Williams, offensive of line coach, and coach was coach was nice. Like he really cared. He had passion for it. He actually taught me things that and it's nice, nothing against the coaches that I had in high school. They just, they probably just was unaware. But, like, you know, just kick sliding, stepping down, you know, keeping your shoulders square, mm-hmm. uh, kick sliding and being able to come back, you know. You, you feel me? Especially playing left tackle, you're trying to get to the defensive end. You're probably fast, mm-hmm. probably in a wide stand. So you got to kick to get up out of there. And then somebody blitzing right here or they make a stunt is like, in high school, if that would have happened, somebody running out of turn my whole body and went to him, leaving the whole lane, right? Yeah. The quarterback getting blasted, the running back getting blasted, you know. And then, but my coach, you know, he taught everything, kickstand, how to stand his position. That's why it's really critical for, I don't know, like the listeners know about football or offensive line, but they have to be square. It's like, and you have to be fast in that stance and in that movement. You got to be able to kick slide fast, step down, you know, cut block, screen, whatever it is, you have to have the same thing because it's all about a game of angles. Yeah. And I kind of didn't learn that until I got to college, right? So it's like, based on that knowledge, you could just tell, like, I was just athletic in high school and just getting to the place and actually doing my job. I didn't know yeah. any technique or anything, you know? You know, they teach you, put your hands on his pads and drive your feet, like, you know, and that was dangerous with that. Like, if I get my hands on the pads, I'm driving that feet. It's like, you out of there. But it's so much more than just, it's so much more than that. Luckily, that got me to the school. But, nah, Coach, he did a great job, bro, like breaking it down, breaking down film. And we ran the off, we ran like a power pro style offense. And one play can be ran six to seven ways, depending on how the defense line up. You know, right. they line up in the three, four. You don't have that that DN no more. You probably got the D tackle. You know, if they line up in the far front, same place switch. You don't know what huddle they finna come out and break in. So you have to be like real intelligent and know your assignment, and at the same time know the footwork and just know how. You might have like a a, a six and then a five. That's like two men on the tackle, and you like, okay, I'm gonna come down. He might pull out, and this man blitz. So you yep. got to be able to. It's like. Very real technical. tricky, right? A lot of very technical. Yo, that's it's like really a game of chess. The other day I was thinking about football. It's like it's really a game of chess, and you really have to have the great pieces because all players have their own skills and they and whatever. But it's like if you have that good piece, he's just gonna do the 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 chess move the right way versus yeah. somebody who they're gonna mess up the move because it's all a game of chess. Like when you drop a play. The defense got to counter to the same play, yo. If the tackle come down this way, the D tackle supposed to hit him, and the linebacker come straight through. And they mind if you do your job, we're gonna hit the running back every time. But the offense mind if you do your job, we're gonna get the touchdown every time. So it's like, who gonna do the job better? Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's, you know, I was really thinking about that like last week, and I'm like, wow, this no, thing is like, like a game of chess. And you gotta have the coach that know how to make the right moves with the right pieces, and which puts are you the in players. a right position based on what you can you do. Know? 
exactly you know because you're gonna get Especially- mismatches that's what they do they get mismatches on purpose but so how do i put my athlete despite our advantages and disadvantages how do i put my athlete in the best position to cover up deficiencies or maximize our benefits that we have in a given set down distance whatever right, right. and that's why you got to appreciate you know those quarterbacks like peyton manning and tom brady you you know like even tom like in terms of talent outside of randy moss and all the receivers talented you in the league, but it's like they the defense probably had the mismatch with the best better piece. Mm-hmm. Just Tom Brady, just you know, surgical and he put his piece in the right position. You don't have to be super athletic, you know. A quarterback that might not have the the wits or you know the smarts or the arm, he just put it up and then have a, a receiver that have a this uh, advantage over the cornerback and he gonna go get it right. So yeah, yeah, man, it's all about chess. Like that shit. I really appreciate football for like for what it is. Oh yeah. All sports, all sports rather. Football is complicated though, man, with so many people. And and like you said, I hear it from a lot of athletes in football, regardless of position, but especially certain ones, like you said, like O-line, quarterback, things like that. It's you can get away with being like just very athletic, very big, very strong in high school. But then when you get to college, everyone's big, athletic, and strong for the most part. And so now it's like, okay, we're matched skill set for skill set how does my film study or my nutrition or my weight training or my, my studying impact the game further? Cause we're all coming on a more level playing field. Right. And even so much was even more significant is how is the coach to get the players to even want to buy in? Buying in is huge, man. It's huge. Like, bro. Cause a lot, like even with me, like our team wasn't as successful is because Individuals thought, oh, we're going to play the game and we're going to win. They're doing whatever they want to do. They're not going to sleep, not focusing on nutrition. You're chasing girls, you're going <laughs> to the club. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you're doing all these other things that's really detrimental to your performance just because you don't understand. So when the coach says something, you're looking at the coach just like your parent. Like, ah, I know what you're saying. I'm still going to do my thing versus you're supposed to really lock in and, and mm-hmm. really make that happen, you know? So, yeah, nah, for sure. You you talked about your coach's impact and you can use any of them or multiple of them from strength and conditioning to your old line to, you know, coach me. Like, are there any things that you took away that you feel like you use now as a coach? Like whether it's principles or just like general ways of like being a good educator, like are there some things that really stuck with you that you're like, man, I still see myself doing this as a as a coach today, years later. Yeah, Coach Williams, by in. You got to get on the buy in. And then, like, well, Coach did a great job with me to make me, like, believe, like, everything that he said. And when I did it, that shit worked, right? And, like, even now, like, I'm talking about Coach how many years later? Because I, I was still bought in. Like, nah, Coach knew what the fuck he was talking about. Like, yeah. he, he not bullshit. And then, you know, and you could just real see he had a passion, like, a real deal passion for it, you know? And that right there, just to how it transferred over, I just understand now it's like, man, you got to get people to buy in, you know, believe what's going on so they can want to do it. And they thinking about it because there's so many distractions mm-hmm. out here in this world it's, and outside. So, like, I don't train any athletes. The athletes going to drive themselves because they want to be the best. They want to, you know, they want to be first strain. They want to make all that money. Like, you feel me? So, Nine times ten, they're gonna do everything that they need to do with this personal training thing and somebody who's trying to change their lifestyle. 
you know, or, or lose a little weight or, or whatever it is, it's kind of hard for them to come from that lifestyle when they looking at this as a chore. So they can have the best coach or the best tool. If you don't get that, that person to buy in, it's going to be hard for them not to go out and eat the diet that's not going to get them to their goals or rest enough for them to be good for performance or not be tired or you know, all the things that they know that they already need to do and hire you yep. to help them with, they still think it's just a workout, you know? Yeah. And then I, when they come into the workout, they dread the workout because, you know, they just, it's just whatever. No, right. so. Most people look at it like a chore, like you said, man. And that is, that's huge, man. I, I preach that all the time where, you know, you can have all the degrees and all the knowledge and all the expertise you can have the fanciest gym. But if you can't get people to buy in, it's useless because ultimately people have to believe in themselves. They got to believe in what you're saying. They got to believe enough in the process and be set up in a position where they can be successful. So they actually go out and take action because if they don't, none of it matters. Not a single thing matters. It don't matter the the you write the perfect diet for them. Don't matter you write the perfect workout. Don't matter any of that. If they can't buy in and figure out how to lock into what you're trying to help them do, it's useless, man. It's useless. It's, it's useless. useless. You what do you, and then how, do you like, how do you get your clients to buy in? What what are some things that you found helpful? And I know each person comes with different things, right? Some people are motivated by competition, some are motivated by something they sign up for or their own health. Like, how do you, like, what are some things that have helped you get people to buy in? Uh, all right. So breaking, breaking down the high and the, the how and the why. So for me to get the client to buy in, number one, I need to know what I'm talking about. Right. So mm -hmm. I done did, you know, I know you see a couple of books back there, but I'm constantly studying and just trying to learn this information as much as possible so now I can articulate it to a way that they're understanding it, mm -hmm. you know, and grasping it. You know, I can't speak. I talk to everybody different based on what I feel like what's going to grasp them. I can't scare them into eating a good, like, you know, I have to really give them the information, say it numerous times for them to understand. And once they understand, they feel good to pass the test. You know, it's like a test. And then, now, one thing I do to get the client to buy in, I say, yo, none of this on you. At first, it's on me to give you this information. I don't expect my client to be coming here to be able to work out. You know nothing. It's my job. I'm preparing you for this test. And then I'm breaking down each form. Like, right now, people are so scared of cardio. They, oh, my God. And they don't understand why they're doing the cardio. The thing I tell them. We condition, we don't do cardio here for fat loss. We condition to improve performance, you know, because mm. if you perform better, you're improving in that aspect, which feel good. Naturally, if you're moving better, you're using up uh, calories, you're using up more energy. And now we just, it's more fun if you're thinking about increased performance versus we got to come in here and ride the bike for three miles, you yeah. know? Now I'm yeah. like, hey, yo, how first, like say I want a client to uh, ride the bike for three miles. I give them a time. I say, okay, we're going to ride the bike for three miles under 12 minutes, you know, and then whatever they at, some people do it under 12 minutes. Some people pass 12 minutes. Then I'm like, all right, the goal is if you're past 12 minutes, I'm like, okay, the goal is to do 12 minutes. So now I give them a little challenge Yeah. for themselves to like beat it up. So now even with that being said, it's either you want to pass the 12 minutes for you 
or you dreading the 12 minutes cause, you know, a lot of people, they're not going, if you have that negative mindset or that fixed mindset, you're not going to lie. So uh, we cancel you as a client anyway, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the ones that they're going to buy in is like, okay, they're going to go to 12 minutes and I don't care how long it takes them. It might take them two weeks. Right. You know, the other day I had a client, I'd be like, get on the bike. He's like, ah, the other day he was in here. He see he see me and the other clients like working out. He on the bike. He like ah. Then he got it. He like yo, I did it. Yes. And it's like that that little victory right there. So he's just doing his conditioning and improving his performance through that little challenge I gave him, which gave him a little power. Right mm-hmm. now, when I'm like yo, all right, we're gonna do the three miles in ten minutes. Now it's another challenge. Now you either that great feeling. He gonna want to chase that again. Of course. And then. What I got to get in the buy-in is I got to be a representation of everything I'm saying, you know. So I just got off uh, the call with a client, and everything I'm saying, she was like, I know, CJ, because you live it. You live it. She buying in just because she know I live everything. She's like, I know you. Like, so while I'm asking them to push it, I go on and push it, you know. That's so right. I go on, and I'm going to do three miles. I'm going to challenge myself and try to do three miles under three minutes, you know. Under two minutes and 30 seconds. So when I get on, I'm like, oh, yeah, I just did three miles in seven minutes or something crazy right, like right. that. Now, in their mind, they like, I'm not going to never put it in their face. I'm going to just do it so they can make that mental note. Like, damn, see, they're doing it that fast. And I'm over here doing it in 15 minutes. I'm trying to, you know, get right. So Absolutely. now, like, when that client beat that 10-minute mark, you're like, okay. You know, and now... The next, this is how I know they really bought in. It's like, oh, see, I'm finna beat your time. You know, like I'm coming for the seven minutes. That's right. Na- naturally, they increase in performance and things like that. So now they're not scared of doing the cardio because now they understand me by me increasing my cardio, I'm increasing performance. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. you're not really like, and I teach them in nutrition on the other side, but now we're doing this thing to uh, have that energy production, quote unquote, burn the calories that everybody was trying to get and boost the morale at the same time and confidence. Yes. So I try to strategically give them things so they can like buy in and and improve at the same time versus you versus the trainer. Trainer coming here. All right. The best exercise to burn uh, fat is burpees. You're going to do 50 burpees. (laughs) Even if somebody told me 50 burpees, now I go to question it. I'm like, why you want me to do this? Like, yo, you trying to kill me? <laughs> you know, of course we know that's going to use the most energy at this time, but why are you giving me that so prematurely? I already think of this as a chore. Mm-hmm. I don't have passion for it. Even Versus I build them up and now I'm like, hey, y'all trying to do 50 burpees? They're like, man, let's do 50 burpees. Yes. Totally different, totally different like mindset challenging they do the 50 burpees dying sweating in the pool getting back up 39 i got 11 more to go i'm not leaving you know versus a coach prescribing 50 burpees out the gate now you're looking like now they cussing you out and right right the side eye now they hating the exercise you know it's like damn i gotta do 50 burpees to get to where i want to go i was just gonna eat the pizza yeah yeah, you you you've, that's really dope, man. You found a way to like shift people's perspective. First, I really like what you said about how you call it conditioning. And so just change people's mindset there with a simple word, right? Cardio. First thing that comes to the general population's mind is like treadmill for hours, sweating, dying. It's like, no, no, we're doing conditioning to perform better and feel better to fuel your workout and your body better. That right there is just like a huge shift for people. And then the other side, and I've never heard this before, this is really dope. You said, in the beginning, it's my responsibility. 
I found that really cool because it's like, I could imagine a lot of clients coming in and it's a big change, right? I spent a lot of money on a coach. I'm coming to a new environment. I'm around maybe people that I'm intimidated by, especially, you know, maybe even my coach, I'm intimidated by a little bit. I'm excited. He's fit. He's in shape. But for a lot of people, that's also intimidating. And so I got all these things against me. And now on top of that, I'm in charge of my health even more so. But you come in and say, hey, in the beginning, I got you. You just do what I say. I'm going to help educate you, provide what you need, provide the space, provide the form, everything. We're going to get to you eventually, but I'm going to teach you how to pass this test first. Okay, so let me deal with that. That sounds like such a relief, I would imagine, for so many people. And then, like you said, like, hey, I've given you the knowledge. We've built up some resilience over the last couple of weeks. Now it's on you to go out and figure out how to make it happen with my guidance. Right. Yeah, definitely. And that's just, the. I'm glad you said it right there. You know, that's just the process um, I understand is successful for me, for the clients who really want it. But like you said, they might be intimidated because this is an intimidating space, you know, mm -hmm. just health and wellness in itself, you know, it's especially when you're next to other people that's probably doing it on a higher level. Now, you know, you're probably insecure about your performance, most let alone your body, you know, it's like, so yeah, man, I feel like it's my responsibility. I want them to lock in, you know, I want them to challenge themselves. And then they can only do that with the information on the why. Mm -hmm. right? I give you a, a story. And this is like one thing of like buy-in. I remember I had this one client, his name Courtney. Courtney working out with me, maybe like, you know, six months. And just how I'm talking to you, I talk to all my clients if we have that time. That's why I don't train too I, I don't train too many clients or do like the big class and stuff because I feel like it's an injustice because I need to have these conversations so they can understand why, right? Mm -hmm. So Courtney training with me and then we at the gym. I think we had Johnny O's. <laughs> he definitely was at Johnny O's. So Courtney's seeing a lot of stuff going on and then he started asking me questions. He's like, yo, CJ, why are they doing that? Or CJ, why this person doing that? Or why they doing that? And I'm like, okay, you catching on, right? And I remember he asked me this one question because I love the incline walk. Mm -hmm. I love, I'm an incline walk person just based off my history, based on how great it is. Like I got the arthritis on my knees, so I, I can't really train at a high level doing high impact stuff that's mm -hmm. detrimental to my body. The incline wall is a high level exercise, super duper low impact. So like somebody with arthritis like myself or who may have joint pain, they can do the incline walk and build themselves up and train at a high level. Oh, you can jack your heart almost, up real quick. Get that thing up. What? Yeah. Like almost equal <laughs> to running. You know, if you're doing that without, with you know, saving your knees at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I know that. And I know a lot of people that's first starting um, who have a strength to match ratio that's on the weaker side. Everybody need the incline walk. It don't matter who you is, right? So I love mm -hmm. it. So Courtney asked me, he's like, he's seen a picture of Ronnie Coleman on the wall. He said, what if somebody came to you, CJ, and said, I want to look like that. And I tell him to get on the incline walk. He's like, how you explain to them how the incline walk to get them like that? I'm like, I'm glad I'm glad you asked that question. I'll be ready, right? <laughs> like, I'm glad you asked that question. So I'm like, all right, Ronnie Coleman trained at a high level. He has to be top conditioning even to get through his workouts. He's like, mm -hmm. if you see his sets and reps, you will be winded just doing that. And even 100%. just trying to get through a workout and not feeling like in the toilet. You know, you want to be able to uh, complete your workout to get the adaptation to even improve. No workout is great if you can't do it. Yeah. Right. So now I'm like the incline wall is going to condition you 
to train at a high level and as you progress. So I'm like, if your conditioning is good, now we can actually get through a weight training workout and train intensely enough 1, for you to get the, the gains to now you could train like Ronnie Coleman. And if you have your nutrition and all that in order yep. and whatever, they might not get like Ronnie Coleman, you know why, but you will start building some muscle mass. And then when he just listen, he like, you smart. And I'm like, yo, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it just is what it is. Cause yeah. the client gonna come in here and they're going to question me. And this is another thing, how I get my clients to buy in. I tell them, ask me any question on anything you think. If Absolutely. you have any, and not even a doubt, if you just want to know, I'm ready to explain the how and the why, just like that. You know, he's like, yo, you love the incline walk so much. If somebody want to build muscle, how can the incline walk help them? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. Everybody asked me some stuff. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and with that, you know, I'm, it's like, they'll be like, he's such a smart ass. Because <laughs> I gave him the information and you hey. thought you were going to stump me and I'm nope. going to stump you. And now he's going to be like, let me get on this incline walk. And now the client coming back telling me, hey, CJ, I did the incline walk. 30 minutes, or this and that, 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 that. And now they just bought in and they just want to better themselves. So to answer the question, how to get them to buy in is, I have to be prepared to explain everything so they can articulate it, grasp the information, and then just want to apply it, you know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I really like that, too. First off, for my my people listening now who are trying to get stronger or trying to get bigger muscle mass, you know, I think oftentimes they forget about the value of conditioning and cardio, man. And like you said, like, you know, if you're really training hard and you got a heavy-ass leg day, you got, you know, four sets of squats, four sets of lunges, four sets of leg extensions and, like, calf raises – and you're really training hard, bro. Like it's going to suck. Like it's going to suck yeah. cardiovascularly. It's going to suck from just an energy standpoint. And if you are not conditioned, I find a lot of times that's the limiting factor for people is they're just not in generally good shape, even if they're strong, right? They can maybe move good weight, but they're just like between each set, you just see the performance plummeting like a rock. Like they can't keep up. Right. Right. You know, and uh, a lot of individuals come to the dungeon who like when they train at a commercial gym, and I tell them that my gym is way different from commercial gym because, as you said, a lot of people take it easy on themselves or they don't even try to. This is just where the condition is at. If you go to a commercial gym and you have that same workout, I probably have to go to the squat over there. I'm going to do my sets. The next exercise is probably going to take me three to five minutes to get to the machine or yep. whatever. And don't if somebody's on the machine, now I got to wait or I have to, like, do something else. So that whole pro that transition process is probably – five eight ten twelve minutes you're like we so skipping that we getting the express gym, pass on that one <laughs> you know exactly so a lot of people being in the gym they've like i've been in the gym two hours and it's like you didn't really do nothing because yep. the amount of time that you was not exercising is probably 75 hours i mean 75 minutes or 60 minutes half your workout yeah your two hour workout you sitting down or you doing something else you know the guy behold it they on their phone <laughs> it's even worse taking know? five minute and rest that, periods between calf raises man. <laughs> and that's probably somebody who's so dedicated they don't understand where their conditioning lacks yes right so they come here i remember this one girl she came in here first time ever she came in here thursday and she was kind of late she came with a group of friends and she was like oh i work out i'm like okay uh, let's find out and she was like <laughs> she was like she was like no i didn't mean it like that i just wanted to let you know like i really work out like i'll be in the gym and i'm like okay cool 
So we doing it, we doing like the little, the exercises and we doing like functional glute exercises and things like that, like unilateral, like single leg hip thrust, mm -hmm. single leg glute bridge, you know, and we are like, especially that somebody who trained on machines, their strength to mass ratio is not, not going to be too good. Your muscles might be strong, but your core, you know, your unilateral strength mm -hmm. may be very poor, right? And in that, it's going to take you, a, it's like calisthenics. You're going to be winded. You do five hit, uh, single leg glute bridges. you like, yo, why am I so tired? <laughs> you, all those muscles that it takes of you to pick your butt up off yeah. and stabilize you is working overdrive now because they've been so offline for so much. Even in that, I'm telling them, though, this is conditioning. You, like this right here is conditioning. And you're like, why am I breathing? Somebody do 10 single leg glute bridges. Yo, they're about to die. Yeah. They're like, yeah. Not let alone let's let's say single leg hip thrust. Oh my god, it's like they getting tortured or something, right? Oh yeah, man. Leg day, like my I, I post all the time. Like leg day can be cardio day, dude. My average heart rate on like my sixty minute leg days ranges between like one ten and one twenty, and like you know that's moderate cardio. But like people don't realize if you're out of shape after a set of squats, your heart rate might stay in the one forties, one fifties for an extended period of time, man. Facts never come down to <laughs> you over there trying to catch your breath the whole time. Yep. And even on that, so it's like, if you want to train at a high level, you got to have your conditioning. So majority of the time you're in the gym, you're training versus you go, you do a set of 10 of squats and then you have to recover for two to three, you know, two to three is good, but like yes. five to six minutes to try to push that heavy weight that your body don't even need. So it's like, and to sustain that effort, yeah. like we talked about, we're like, okay, I take five minutes, but am I actually back to like a good amount of energy after those five minutes? Or am I still having performance go down drastically constantly? Or can I take shorter rest periods and still produce similar output every single set? Nah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, I try to teach them uh, the importance of the conditioning and how to do it and why you will want to now jump rope or even if you decide to go run you're not just running, like trying to burn off a bad diet, you know, mm -hmm. which everybody do. Well, we know what's going on in the real world. When everybody coming here or anybody who does come in a dungeon, that's the first things first. I'm like, yo, I'm teaching you why we're doing this. This is the reason how it's going to transfer over to what you say you, you wanted your goals to be. And if you just be consistent, we'll be in the right direction. Yes, sir. Now, how did you actually... So after college, right, you get your degrees, you finish your football career. How did you like actually transition into becoming a coach? Like, what's that? What's that story look like? Okay, so the dungeon was in a different position in the front of the building from where it is now, and it was uh, a guy I played football with at FAU when I was a freshman. He was a senior. Him and his older brother actually started the gym. Mm -hmm. Luckily, the gym was kind of right down the street from my house. So, like, uh, I was already, like, locked in, like, possessed with, like, my fitness stuff. After I stopped playing football, I wasn't, like, training or, like, into this while I was playing football. It was after, you know, probably just on a, you know, need to find another purpose to move the body. Kind mm -hmm. of fell in love with the gym, right? Um, but they opened up the gym. I found the gym. It's literally, like, three minutes away from my house, super-duper close, and was working out every day. And during the course of me working out with them and just working out there, I was just um, just explaining all the things I have been learning, all the things I just I want to do, 
I had just got a uh, a personal certification just cause like I just wanted it. I didn't even like wasn't training anybody at the time or thinking to train. I just wanted to really learn. Yeah, you know. So and then like I remember one day I came to the gym after being there like three weeks just working out, and they're like they gave me a key, and they're like, "Yo, we want you to be a part of the gym and like just build up and like continue to like move with the energy," but. Like after they gave me the key, maybe like five, six months, they just pulled out because it's very hard, you know. Yeah, like, all, all this stuff I'm telling you now, we definitely didn't know in the infancy stages of the dungeon. Like, you know, I guess them boys thought like since they work out or they big, like people was gonna pay them <laughs> to train them. And I'm like, so much more. They don't than really that, work. Like don't that. realize it's, it's so hard. much more. And then it's the difference between actually having the passion just to work out and train people. People think it transfer over. Like it's a lot of people who they just like working out and they think, oh, let me make money off it. And like training individuals is way different than just telling them something that you would do. And that's what a lot of people do. And they scam away, man. There's a lot of people getting scammed away. I hear so many horror stories about how they train her down that beat them up like because the workouts was too hard it yeah. was too much you know it sounds like a lot what i see a lot of people do is they put themselves upon the client which is an injustice you know it'll be a shame for me to try to tell the client to do what like cj how you got like that okay this is what i do yeah that's that's, that's for me up. not for you man like people don't that's understand me. that and then what i this is my passion it, to the to the general public it might seem extreme but it's like, yo, this is what I do. I'm getting up at four because I want to. I'm drinking water. I'm hydrating. I'm stretching. I'm doing breathing exercises. Then I'm going to the gym at five. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then I'm coming home and I'm eating this and I'm resting. And then I'm probably going to work out again because I like to do it. You know, I like to challenge myself or I found some new information. So let me go try that. And it's just making my body improve. And then by the time 530 comes, I'm ready to shut it down, trying to go lay down before like 7 30, 8 o'clock. I don't want to be sleep, rest. <laughs> and then people and people mind, they're like, what? That's their time to either watch TV or go out. Like I had one girl, she wanted to train me so bad. And I'm like, yo, what time do you go to bed? And she was like, I go to bed like one, two. I'm like, yo, why are you going to bed too late? Because she was like, she put her kids, her kids go to sleep around like 8 30. So in her mind, she like, yo, from 8 30 till about one o'clock is my time. This is the only mm. time I have to myself. And I'm just like, damn. And before, as a, as a young coach, I'd have probably scolded her like, yo, you need to go to bed. But now I understand. So now it's my job to give her information for her instead of having that two and a half hour to herself to do whatever she want to do. Now she understand, yo, I need these two hours to rest so I can be good and, yeah. you, know, you know, be healthy. Like, and then I'm telling them if they're not well, you can't be fit. So before anybody can even come here, and I know she could never give 100% here because she's tired. Mm -hmm. Her cortisol level is going crazy. Her nervous system is going crazy. She's so in fight or flight mode right now, sympathetic. is like me giving her the hard workout is so much detrimental, you know? And that's kind of hard for all these other trainers who are aware because people who never get in the results. And it's like, yo, you're actually putting more fuel on the fire. And you can be doing your job, which they pay for. But if you don't understand this information, you would never be able. So now it's my job to educate her 
So she'll want to go to bed early, you know. All the time she have with her kids is crucial. When mm-hmm. they go to sleep, now I go to sleep, you know, because of I know the importance of that versus I put them to sleep at 8.30 and now I'm up until 1 because I have those hours to myself Absolutely. finally, you know. And then I just can't scold and be like, you need to go to sleep. Everybody knows they need to go to sleep on time. That's right. Everybody knows they need to exercise and eat better, but it doesn't make it that easy, and man. It don't make it that easy. And now it's just like, they feel like they're missing out. It's like, well, this is the only time I had to myself. Versus, okay, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. You know, you rest, you know, cortisol level low, you, your body can actually repair. You need REM sleep to do burn fat, you know, mm-hmm. build up, repair. And now the actual the things you do do in the gym is most beneficial to you versus detrimental. Absolutely. So like, mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. I, I find that I mentor young coaches and I find that one of the biggest things that they initially do, and it's understandable because you, you do what's familiar to you. Right. And so we'll be doing like program design review for like a, a fake client for a mock clients, like, you know, single mom, 40 years old, hasn't worked out in two years. What are you doing? It's like, well, I'm having her do, you know, interval sprints and she's doing back squats, supersetting with this. And I'm like, okay, why did you pick these exercises in this workout? It's like, oh, well, I like to do this. I'm like, stop right there. It may be good for you, but put yourself in the context of this mom, right? And like you said, say she had a shitty night of sleep. It's like, how are you going to set her up for success and put her in the best situation? Or like another example I give is anyone can make your client or a client like, sore and like get sick or throw up right like you gave the burpee example if i said hey you know so and so who hasn't worked out in a year i want you to do you know a five mile run or do 200 burpees right now like is he gonna be sore and feel like shit yes does that make me a good coach or mean that he had a good workout absolutely not right so a good coach knows how to take your person for the day know like their life and their experience and what they need to be successful in that given point in time not just throw shit and hope it sticks because it's like, it's what I know. And I know it's going to kill them right now. Like that, that doesn't really drive very well, unfortunately. Mm-mm. It's not at all, man. And a lot of people get scared away, especially for a trainer, you know, it's like, yo, they already, like you said, they already spending all this money. Now yep. like, you want me to spend this money for you to come beat me up? Like, yo, is this what personal training is? And it is a stigma. Like, my trainer kicked my ass. It's like, yo, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. It's like, you probably, you just already crazy and you like that type of shit. Don't put it on everybody else. They exactly. Yeah, Your for some people, they what? like that. That's cool. That's cool. But for That's some people, cool. they don't really like that or want that. You know, you got to know what, you got to know your audience, you know? Got to know. And then it's, you know, uh, unfortunately, it's like, it's the trainer's job to you know, make these people understand what's going on. Like, yo, mm-hmm. I have some clients that they dogs like filthy. Like, you know, <laughs> they want to do everything. They want to challenge. They want to lift the most weight, you know. And nine times out of ten, that's the people that's been with me a little while, you know. And then if we show these workouts, it's like a gift and a curse. Because if we show these workouts, it's impressive. But somebody's like, oh, my God. It's like, I can never train with him. He's going to kill me. That's why I'm like into giving the information now. Cause I'm like, yo, this is not your fitness level. You don't have to worry about that. But it's like, I have this one client, her name, Catherine. She got a nice physique. She's been training for four years, training with me for three years, doing her own thing for like one year, you know, but she's still training me, but she like, 
she know what to do. She don't yeah, even yeah. need me. She just coming over here for like extra stuff or learning. Mm-hmm. Like we just found out she got, I just found out she never told me she got scoliosis on her back and she trying to lift heavy. And I'm like, okay, we can't live heavy. And now I'm even, I'm telling her why she can't live heavy prematurely. And I could see that she was getting sad, but now it's my job to tell her like you can't load up your spine prematurely. Like you have to build up your pelvic floor and all these other things you want. So now if you do load your body with that heavy weight, now it's your legs moving it, you bracing your core and it's not crushing you, you know? And she was telling me she with her friends doing heavy box squats. I'm like, that's the last thing you want to do. And instead of me telling her she can't, I'm just telling her, yo, you're compressing your spine. Somebody with that type of uh, situation don't want to compress their spine even more than it is, right? But even not to get away, this individual, that's how hard she want to go. And her body's just a representation of that. And I have other clients that inquire because they want to look like that physique. Yeah. And they see how we train. It's like, dang, I'm a, I want to look like that. But damn, do I have to do that? You're not there yet. Yeah. You know, we could build you up. But if you want your body to look like that eventually, and that's four years down the line. And it's like, if somebody here four years instantly, they're kind of turned off. And now you have to understand the process of why it would take so long. So it's like, yo, I got to teach these people all of this stuff, right? And at first, it's just, I used to be, I guess, bummed because we do get this, have this job to make money and stuff like that. But like, I respect it so much, I could, I turn a lot of people away because what I'm telling you and what we're talking about is not really attractive to somebody who think, ooh, I want to lose, I want to change my body in three months. Mm. Let alone if they say, I want to lose 50 pounds in 30 days. Now I'm like, you know, I got to break it down on why that's, that's you can't really do that. And it's well, like, that's good. People will respect you more. And it's, you know, it's, it's good integrity, man. Cause yeah, if you can, like you said, you can use car salesman your way to it and maybe finagle it, but that catches up with those coaches eventually, man. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but so now I just appreciate it because now I'm at, it's, I have another story. Like yesterday, this girl, she finally came to the gym. She was supposed to come to the class and she was mad late. Oh, the reason why I couldn't do the, the <laughs> right? Now I know who to blame. <laughs> right? But mind you, she drove like 40 minutes to come to the gym and she always wanted to come to my gym. I guess she just, it probably a reason of variables that she couldn't make it. Maybe she mm-hmm. was scared. Maybe the distance, maybe she was motivated and lost motivation. But today she came and then she caught me. And I could have either been on this side, like, yo, you didn't make it to the class. You're not serious. All right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Go home. 40 minutes. Even if she really wanted to train with me, she probably would never make it here again, you know? And it was just one simple little class that she was like, oh, I'm finna make the class. I done worked her out. It wasn't even that long, maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes. The whole time I'm just explaining like what we do here, blah, blah, blah. By the end of the by the end of the thing, she's like, yo, I want to sign up for the month. And I'm like, to be honest, I didn't really do this to try to make you sign up for anything. She's like, no, CJ, I already picked you as a trainer. I already knew. It was just like this was the the stamp on it. Just me just giving that time, breaking it down. Cause in her mind, oh absolutely I man. forgot the story. I forgot the reason why I brought up the story. She was like, you're a boutique trainer. And I started laughing. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> and for like 15 minutes, 15 minutes, I'm like, no, she said a bougie trainer, bougie. For 15 minutes, I'm like, what does that mean? And she wouldn't tell me. And I'm like, can you please tell me what it means? She was like, yo, CJ, like your prices are, you know, it's a bit. I, 
obviously she's comparing it to whatever else you know it's of like course. so low la or whatever and, and you know <laughs> la or whatever it is and she like you know she's like I, I love your work and i'm not she's like i know you're worth everything but she's like you know that's not really my budget i'm like i understand you know, I respect that. Perfectly, I respect that. You know, even by you telling me these things, I respect that in itself. Versus just coming out and saying I'm too expensive. You know, yeah. it's just, you know, it's so different. So now, by me just giving her the information, she understands, or the value was created in her mind. You know, she already knew the service was good in her mind. She just thought I couldn't afford this, right? Mm-hmm. But during the course of whatever value I build up is like, I need this. Yes. Right. So now it's like, this is an investment to me versus maybe an expense. Yes. Yes. You, you know? Same thing, man. You're shifting that perspective. I always tell people good coaching sells itself, man. Like right. monetary aside, like people know, like there's, there's certain hard cutoffs, right? People know like, Hey, if a session costs $200 an hour, that's way out of my budget. So if it's at least near here, I can do it. What I find is like works best with most trainers is like, if you like articulate yourself, well, you're relatable, you build rapport, you show your expertise, like you do, you take the time to like, here's why we're doing this. Here's the purpose of doing it. And you give them like a good workout that's made for them. It'll sell itself. You don't have to be a used car salesman and say like, you know, hound them 24 seven, all that. Like, they'll be like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to buy. Where do I sign the dotted line now? So that is like a huge testament to like you and what you do. Cause it's like, yeah, she drove because she wanted to see you. She already kind of had it in mind. And then it just confirmed the class she did with you. Like, yeah, this is exactly where I wanted to be. Nah, for sure. Well, that buy-in process is most important. And I hope you have a lot of, uh, you know, upcoming trainers that watch this um, this podcast because, you know, that's the most important thing. They think just because it's a lot of people that need to be in shape. It, yep. It's a lot of them that don't mean they're going to give you the money, you know? And then for you to understand, a lot of people just think, ooh, I could charge this amount of price because they see the next person charge it. And then when individuals not trying to pay that, they feeling depressed. And it's mm-hmm. like, yo, why should somebody pay you all that money? What can you really, just because, I remember one time this young trainer, I was asking her her price and she told me a number and I'm like, why are you charging that? She was like, because it's my time. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, I understand you're giving up your time, but why? Like, what what ex- experience you have? I would say it's got to be comparable, come... man. It's got to it's gotta make some sense, at least. <laughs> it's got to make sense. It's like, yo, and I'm breaking down to this at a time when I was charging people. Well, luckily, I had the luxury on gym. I'm charging people $100 a month, unlimited, and I'm thankful for those people to come and come as much to make those transformations because that's the time where I had to learn. I put in a lot of hours. Sometimes it'll add up to be like $3 a session or whatever it is. Like it, 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 in somebody's eyes, it didn't make sense. But what made sense is I gained so much experience, so much hands-on, so yes. much trial and error. Even I'm at a price where I can mess up. Once you're charging all this money, you cannot mess up. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't understand. It's like, you better give yourself room. So if you don't know, or if you don't know how to articulate or get these clients to buy in, they still feel comfortable that they're going to keep coming back. Because if I'm giving you my hard earned money and I'm not feeling real good, you're just going to get a one-time client. And I see a lot of trainers, they got to get 100 people every time versus 
Especially when you're new, because you're going to mess up and you're going to have some rollover. Like that's, that's just part of the game is going to happen. So like you said, having that low barrier definitely makes it a lot, a lot easier of a sell, I guess I'll say. No, for sure. You know, because when it's best, like the people are into comparing, uh, you know, that market. Okay. All right. I'm going to go to this trainer because he's cheaper. Or mm -hmm. this okay, this is a better deal. You know, I done took myself out of the deal. If you were looking for a deal, the dungeon is not for you. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for that transformation, the results. And you're at the right and place. And you're ready to invest. You're at the right place. You know, before I had to work with the deal. Okay, this person charging 200 a month, I got to do 175. This person charging 175 a month, I got to do 150. That's yep. Damn. Who who gonna win? The person that's charging seventy five dollars, <laughs> and then at the day that trainer he's working himself to death, like, mm -hmm. and then he's gonna attract the type of clients that's not gonna really take it seriously, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh huh. Very important wisdom, man, for all our young coaches listening. CJ, I really do appreciate your time, brother. I know full working man, gym owner. So thank you so much. And I'm gonna hit you up after this. We are gonna get that workout in. I'm gonna come back down a lot of Gonna get a good workout in the so. dungeon, but um, let the people know where they can find you. Anything you want to plug, please let the listeners know. Okay, so the dungeon is located in Lauder Hill. Um, the uh, at name is the dungeon on Instagram, the dungeon three underscores. Or if you want to see the content that I have on Instagram, my personal brand is Falcon of Fitness, Falcon, the word Falcon E R Fitness, and um. Pretty much the how and the why, you know. If you're a viewer that wants to get into personal training, do your research on understanding if the trainer is giving you information. Just don't get a trainer just because you like how they look, and that's a big problem. If you're a trainer, please do your research so you can articulate and get the clients to buy in. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what I really want to tell the people, you know, buy in. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. I'll be sure to plug all that for our people down below. Again, definitely check it out because CJ, like you can tell, he talks the talk. He's very knowledgeable. But my man walks the walk. My man, Jack, he's swole. He always put in that work. So you definitely got to check out his stuff. Really, really cool. Y'all know where to find me. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube shorts at the underscore shift underscore method. We got weekly Spotify slash podcast style episodes and weekly YouTube style content for y'all to check that out. And as always, y'all can head to the shiftmethod.org, get some merch. Check out the services. Come train with me in person at Johnny O's gym, or I can work with you virtually as well. CJ, appreciate you again, brother. You have a good rest of your day, all right? Thank you, boss, man. Yes, have sir. Later, everyone.